Okay, welcome to the show. This is TED Talks Too Much. And I think we've got another great one for you today. I am Ted Moss, ex-Cub Scout, YMCA camper, stand-up comedian, and your host. We are located in the OK Boomer Studios just outside of Flint, Michigan. That's right, Flint. Michigan's water wonderland where they are still wondering when they'll get some clean water. But while we all wait for that, let's talk. And on today's show, we've got part three with Marcus Olin. That's right, we're going to be talking about money, fame, the quality of comedy in Detroit, wandering around to open mics, and a lot of comedy advice, and also accents. So for all that more, stay tuned. One lady on the couch, nobody's sitting next to her. I think you might need some new perfume, lady. I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's got their lawn chair like it's a Little League baseball game. Giving me flashbacks. I'm like, who's the dad who's going to start yelling at the umpire? I don't know. I kind of got my money on you. You look the guy like, that was a strike, all right? Come on. This kid's going to the major league. Nothing's, but all right. This guy's got his shirt open. He's had that shit open since like 2 o'clock. His girlfriend's got her legs spread further than he does. I'm like, this is... Be some kids coming soon, man. I don't know. Okay, here we go. One more time. He is back. He's bald. He's beardy. He's funny. It's one of those rare times when I couldn't find anything to edit out. So I'm going to bring you part three of my interview with my new young comedy friend. Let's give an OK Boomer Studio welcome one more time to Mr. Marcus Olin. Um, I'm not against it, but that's not my goal. Have you been recognized in public for being a comic? Yes. A many times. times? No, 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 no. Not many times. Is it but- fun? It's weird. Okay, so one time I uh, was just, I was at Kroger, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm walking to my car, and I walk past this, like, uh, is a black Dodge Charger. I walk past it, going to my buddy's car, and we're going to go drive home, my roommate at the time. And, uh, you know, so I we walk past this car. I get in the passenger seat, and then all of a sudden I close the door, and this black Charger that I just walked past zooms into the open spot next to me. Right, and he's like, "Is this big black guy?" He's like, "Roll your window down." I'm like, what? "Did I hit your car?" I was scared. I was like, "I was like, what the fuck did I do? Why you want me?" And he's like, "Roll your window down." So I roll my window down. He's like, "Were you at Punchline a couple weeks ago?" I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, I was." He's like, "You know, when you went up there, we we all thought this is gonna be another corny ass white boy, and then you were hilarious." Yeah. and I was like, yeah, "Oh, that's it cool. made me feel really that's good. Cool. That was fun." Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I've been recognized a couple times. Yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, if it got to a point where it's like you can't go anywhere, I don't know how that would be. Yeah, but. that'd be really strange. I would, I would hate that. I actually, uh, because I date mm. and I date online, I've met a lot of ladies that way. A lot of nice people, a lot of strange people, but a lot of mm. nice people too. And I was meeting a lady who was kind of an up, upscale, uptown gal yeah. at a bar. And it was just kind of a iffy kind of bar, but it was a place she picked. And I thought, okay, that's cool. It was in some kind of strip mall, nice strip mall. But anyhow, I went out to meet her and she was in a booth and I walked in a little bit late. But I texted her, so she knew I was late. And before I even could hit the table, but right by her, the waitress ran up and said, oh my God, you're Ted Moss, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, did somebody tell you that I, they were waiting for me? I said, no, 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 I know you. I said, you know me? 
said, yeah. I said, oh, you've seen me perform comedy. She said, no. I said, okay. She said, I know you from the internet. I said, oh. She said, my husband and I were big fans. And I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, the podcast? Yeah. No, no, no. She had seen some clips or something. I think oh. they were the movies that Billy and I put out oh. when we were on our tour. Okay. We did some little funny clips about our, you know, our comedy tour or whatever. I think that's where it started. And I think she had followed into the podcast, but that's where it started. Yeah. Where she had a visual you know, of me, not just a picture. Did you like it? Well, the cool thing was that she was so giddy. She ran back, got her phone and came over and asked me to do some selfies with her. Yeah. Before I sat down with the lady and she said, well, my goodness. And I looked at the lady and said, happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well played, man. That's well, that is, man, you should write dating books because that needs to be in a book where it's just like, you, I, did, were you, was that a real or did you pay that chick to be like, exactly. all right, so you know I have what? a reservation at six. I I'm going to show up late. call ahead. Yes. Mm -hmm. I got 20 bucks if you do this. Oh watch, yeah. Yeah. That would so work. Cheaper than a hooker. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know how much hookers run. Um, but my yeah, point. Right. <laughs> I, but yeah. Don't yeah. It depends where you're at. Uh, but no, like, so for me, it's like you were talking about thinking about it backwards, right? I think way too many, and I saw this in Hollywood, way too many people go out there like, I want to be famous. I went out there like, this is where the industry is for not yeah. all of it, but a lot of the industry for comedy is out there. So I went out there like, I, I want to take a next step. I want to, because yeah. I love comedy. I realized, you know, I, I got to a point where I realized that's what I love. That's what I want to do. I love being on stage. I right. love doing it. I love making people laugh. Right. And, you know, you have freedom with it um, where it's not like you have a boss like, da, 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 da. Right, right, right. you know, you, you, there's bookers and they, all kinds of shit. But it's like, it's what I want to do. Yeah. I know I can do it. You know, once you make a even your again, your first dollar, the first time you have a paid gig, you're like, oh, OK. So if I did this every weekend, this could be fucking sweet. What is that? That's the first comedy check. There it That's is. That's the first check I ever got for doing stand up comedy. <laughs> now, was that for uh, the open mic? Hosting the open mic. This was, uh, and, and the advanced class, if you were the the, the one got picked, mm. you actually get paid. And that was my first God paid damn. gig. Every and time I, I did not cash the check. And then they wanted to give me cash. And I said, no, I don't want cash. I want a written check. And matter of fact, okay. I will make a deal. If you write me a check, I won't even cash the check. Because wow. I cannot buy a trophy better than... A check from the Comedy Castle. So I'll tell you a story about that. First of all, I was asking because I've never, every time I've hosted there, they give me cash. And I, so yeah. I was like, how'd you get a $25 check? Yeah. Um, but so my dad was, he's very skeptical of comedy. And like, he's like, I, he doesn't understand how you make money in it. And he's like, well, why don't you just, you know, work at GM or whatever. Right. So I'm like, well, right, right. so uh, what I sent him one time for a Father's Day gift was my check from Ridley's. It was like a weekend check, $300. Oh, and I was yeah. like, see, I can do it, dad. Yeah. And he got the check and he was like. All right, fine. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't like you go, girl, or anything like that. It was just like, well, okay, I guess. Well, I guess I, I was just because I, I, you know, I know that that his main concern doing comedy is like, are you gonna make any fucking money doing this? Yeah. And I'm like, eh, it's a little bit, a little bit. I'm glad I didn't send him a twenty five dollar check. You know, I was talking to uh, I can't even remember who it was. If it was. Uh, might have been Billy Ray Bauer, but somebody that had been around for a long time that was mm. friendly. I think it was Billy Ray talk, talking about uh, him talking to Tim Allen mm. and also uh, Louis Anderson. Okay. And Tim Allen said, uh, don't envy me. I mean, uh, can you go golfing tomorrow if you want to? And he said, matter of fact, I am. He said, I can't. I got 14 people depending on me. I would have to call somebody and ask them what my first available is mm. if I want to go golfing. Yeah. And he said, um, 
I think it was Louis Anderson. He was living in Las Vegas and he's doing a couple of shows and he's, he's a recluse. He just lives in this house. Oh, okay. He only comes out for his shows. Did I say that wrong? Recluse? He's a recluse? No, I just, I, I'm second language. Like, second what? language. What so don't, no, no. It's Was ist los? Yeah, keine Ahnung. Was ist recluse? Verstehe ich doch gar nicht. So anyhow, he said, but he doesn't do anything. He said he's overweight. He's not healthy. He lives all alone. He's living in a big house. He comes out and he does his couple shows. Comes down and does a show when he can stand and do it and it doesn't kill him. But he can't go out in public. He can't go to the mall. He can't go out to the... You know, Dave and Buster's, he can't go anyplace. Yeah. I mean, you know, he can't do that because he's going to be swamped. He's going to be surrounded. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I want that. I think yeah. fortune, they say fame and fortune. I think fortune is what you want. I think yeah. if you can have fortune without fame, that's the best way to do it. Because fame is a price you pay. Mm. Now, if you have fame, you might get more fortune. Yeah, you know, that, you there's a way to leverage fame. it for sure. Yeah, but it takes a lot away from you too. And so when you look at those two words, fame and fortune, I'd pick a different word yeah. that starts with an F and freedom. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> for me, it's like, I don't need a crazy amount of money. I don't have kids. I don't have any debt. I don't have any of that shit that I, you know, you would need to service with money. So it's like, I don't need a crazy amount of money. I need enough to survive, obviously. And that's kind of where I'm, what I'm, what my goal would be in comedy is like, you know, pay the bills. There was a point where it's like, I, you know, my rent was 300 bucks a month, but I was making 300 a month doing comedy, just gigging, yeah, yeah, gigging. Damn it. It's so, it's so hard though. It's I mean, super hard. If you think about, okay, even if I get a gig every weekend, let's say I can get a gig every weekend. Mm-hmm. And even if I paid $500 for the weekend. That's, you know, that's only what, $2,000 a month. That's only 24,000, 24,000 a year, less expenses of travel, which is going to cost you 10,000 in gas and insurance and car payments and all that stuff. So now you're down to what, 14,000, 14,000, less whatever you pay in taxes on it. Well, that's where you'd have to write it off. You'd have to write off all that shit, right? Yeah, but well, you write off all you can, but you know, at some point you aren't making any money Mm. until you're making like five grand a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one grand a week isn't going to do it. Two grand a week. You know, you really got to be making a lot of money, which means you got to be big. Or you got to be making five grand every other weekend or something. Yeah. And how do you get to that level? And with comedy, yeah. And with comedy where it's at now, it's easier to do it a lot of other ways. Do you know Mm. who's making a shitload of money are these people that are putting up YouTube videos? Yeah. It's kind of weird. There's a way to, you know, if you want to use music, in online and you know this you've run into this so you have all these copyright laws or whatever uh, where you can't use somebody else's song but mm-hmm. you can take somebody else's recording and if you put your own pictures with it and say you type out the lyrics on top of it you can use their music because you're changing it you're right. making something else out of it so there's kids that go out there and they take they go to tiktok yep and they put together the 20 sexiest tiktok things or the five most outrageous whatever you know whatever it is and they yeah. put these videos up on youtube and they get millions of views and they're sitting in their basement making two thousand five thousand ten thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis because that's coming up and the more it gets clicked the more it gets to the top of the list so the more it will get clicked so they have this unending revenue stream from youtube and that's why there's 500 million 
YouTube, YouTube channels. channels yeah. Because it's a way to make money. If you did something like that, you could do your comedy just for fun and live off the YouTube stuff. Yeah. But what they're doing, they aren't creative people. These yeah. are not the people making the TikTok videos. These are the people taking others people's artwork and putting them together and marketing <laughs> somebody else's artwork. So yeah. they've kind of taken the place of the record companies and the the producers and the agents. They're they're finding the talent. Is this what Barry Gordy did? Barry Gordy. Because it? it is. And Barry Gordy was not making music. You know what he did? He went out and found the best blues jazz players, probably jazz players in Detroit. Said, you guys want an extra gig, make a little bit extra money after hours. They said, yeah, we love to jam, man. After the bars close, we'll come over. And so they came up with this group, and they called themselves the Funk Brothers because it was the same guys, the same eight guys or whatever it was. Yeah. And they wrote more hits than any group in the history of rock and roll. They wrote all the music lines, the bass lines, the melody lines for all the lyrics that all the artists from Motown did. Then he got these young kids with no experience, found the best voices, mm. brought them in, and if they could write lyrics like Marvin Gaye, you know, they put he put them with these musicians in an hour they'd have a they'd have a hit record yeah. and then he groomed them, taught them how to dress, mm-hmm. how to dance, and he marketed that. So Barry Gordy wasn't an artist and no. he got the, he got the music on the cheap cuz he wasn't paying these musicians anything right. for writing the music. He wasn't paying the singers anything. That's why they all left him. Mm-hmm. You know? And and he, but he was the promoter. He was the guy that put the whole package together, just like the kids are going out on YouTube or TikTok or finding this art and saying, how can I package the art and how can I market the art? And so that's, that's, that's where is. the money is. That's, and I, you know, I think about this sometimes in terms of like, cause you mentioned this earlier, there's a lot of talent in Michigan comedy. Yeah, there are a, a lot, lot of funny, pe- a funny lot. people. And I always think about like, there isn't a Barry Gordy of comedy. Right now, there really isn't. There maybe, isn't someone. Maybe I am. Maybe you are, <laughs> right? But it's, it, who is the person who's going to get the right people together, like Barry Gordy, right? Get the right people in the right environment, doing the right things, and then you have your camera rolling, and you catch that shit. You yeah. cut out, you know, you record for three hours, but then you find the 10 minutes that are yeah. like, holy shit, you Killer. put that out. Right, yeah. and then you get well, people and, clicking, uh, and then you then generate he knows it. how to market that stuff. Yeah, you got to think. Of, you got to find somebody that thinks of things backwards. Yeah, who would that be? It might be you. <laughs> it might be you. Seriously, because I, I I totally agree. But and I was talking to Josh about this too. We were talking about podcasting and like because right now comedy is who knows where it's going to go, right? But basically, the people who have been successful during COVID, which is crazy to talk about because it's like five months and a lot of people died, but the people right. who have been able to you know, generate some, some buzz. It's all online. It's all through some sort of either podcast or whatever. It's some sort of TikTok video. Right. There's comedy. People are laughing. Right. It's just not at a stand-up show. I know. And so I it's know. Like, how do you, I know. And actually that's a question that I've asked a lot of comedians. How do we deliver the entertainment? Yeah. Now the problem is all stand-up comedians are in love with stand-up mm. and there's a formula to stand-up and the formula is tight room, short ceilings, stage, not too high. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's a whole formula to what works best to make that thing work. And we have a change. The market has changed. How people are consuming entertainment has changed. And it's gone two ways, which is weird. It's gone to very short clips and very long podcasts. Mm -hmm. So 
between those two, now maybe it's you have long comedy podcasts, and maybe it's just interviewing comedians, I don't know. And I mean, short, there's a guy who did that and got real famous. Yeah, exactly. Joe Rogan, that's I know, all he did. I know, I know. And then you do short clips to advertise it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the combination is or how it's going to work. But I think I, that's it. Yeah. I, I seriously think that's it, because I'm trying to watch right now and see... Um, I don't, I, you know, it's fun to laugh at videos, but I, everything I, if I'm laughing at something, I stop myself and I say, why am I laughing yeah, at yeah. this? Well, I want to see the guy I, behind the curtain pulling well, the levers. Yeah, Cause yeah. I, it's like, once you see, it's, yeah. it's like being a magician, you know, the tricks. When yeah. I watch a comedian on stage killing, I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing. They do, 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 do. And now online, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm like, how is this? Cause it's the same people going well, viral. Yeah. You know what? But you know, it's pretty evident when I watch your Instagrams and the things you put up. That you're doing that because you're you're I'm trying, you're, you're yeah. well you're a click up from what you usually see out there you you do a pretty good job and I appreciate people that are marketing mm. and I appreciate people that are talented in comedy but also the marketing piece is a piece that's often missing it's the same thing with rock and roll bands they were really talented in what they did but they didn't know how to market themselves right you know and they always have somebody in the band going we got to do all original material and I gotta, I gotta <laughs> yeah, you gotta yeah, hear yeah. the tubes in my amp so I gotta turn mine up and somebody's go no i need to level this thing out and this is and this is how it's going to play this is how we market this thing right so it's the same thing with comedy we got all this talent and i quite frankly don't know that i went to a better comedy city than detroit when Mm. i did the whole country oh yeah i mean i mean honestly i i even when i was in la now obviously the top of the top is in la and new york a lot of bad comics in la Tons well, of them. You know why? Because it's a bunch of actors that are looking for stage time. That too. That's yeah. another thing Honestly, too. Honestly, it's just people getting up there just screaming, doing whatever they think is funny. I walked in, when I walked into the belly room, it was a guy standing as just as BVDs, just as briefs. Oh, trying okay. to tell jokes. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell, dude? Yeah. That's Gimmicky, not even funny. Yeah. But anything to get attention, anything to stand out, anything to be different. Yeah, LA yeah. is terrible for yeah. that. Yeah, and but, then uh, a beautiful girl came out and just screamed in the microphone. I thought, this isn't even freaking funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if then, you're a hot chick and you're not getting booked for stand-up show, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because they're looking for women comics, and if you're hot, it always helps. So yeah. you don't even have to be funny a lot of the times. Yeah. But you're bringing up Detroit, man. I, uh, there's a buddy I know out in L.A. Um, his name's Saul. He's from actually from Sacramento area, San Francisco, Sacramento. Kind of I can northern. tell by the name, yeah. Saul. <laughs> He's hilarious. Yeah. And um, I was talking to him, and he was like, I think Detroit's my favorite comedy city. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, Ron Taylor is one of my favorite up-and-coming kind of comics oh, right yeah. now. And he was like, but every time I see a new person from Detroit go out to L.A., he's like, they're hilarious. And he's most, he was talking about Josh Adams, Melanie Hearn, those types of people yeah. going out there. And I'm like, dude, you're right. Cause I, I when you're in the city a lot, you don't think about how it's perceived, but when you right. have someone who's no connection to it, right. he, but he genuinely, he's a funny guy, good comic. And he sees that yeah. and he says it, you're like, yeah. maybe you're right. Cause I've, yeah. I've gone, you know, I've gone to Minneapolis, Chicago, I've gone to different places and, and there's good comics everywhere, but the level of comedy that you see in Detroit for how small of a city it is, right. it's disproportionate. Yeah. There's a lot of talent in this area. You know what? We we were on the road solid for three months, mm. city to city. And all we did was go, what's the comedy in the next city? And you'd get to a city and there'd be a little comedy community. Mm-hmm. You'd go to this open mic, then you'd go to this showcase. You'd see the same people. Yeah. Then you go to the feature show and there'd be one of the people that was you saw earlier. In the, I mean, that's the way it was. So you kind of, there's a little group. You know, or two little groups or whatever, and it's the same common group. 
but you can kind of judge that group. Go, yeah. okay, this is the he's kind of like the premier of this group, mm. and this is what he's doing, and this is kind of getting laughs. Now, sometimes the communities were friendly. Sometimes they were very unfriendly. Where were they unfriendly? I'm interested. Uh, the cities? You want me to name yes. cities? Yes, yes, 100%. Want to do that. No, I totally don't want okay, to Okay, where were the friendly ones then? <laughs> we'll go the other way. That's fine. Because I really liked <laughs> Omaha. When I went to Omaha, I had a great time. Yeah. I don't know if you went to Omaha. No. Okay. No, we did the South because it was winter. We were yeah, trying to I, stay I, warm. I drove to LA in the winter through the Omaha like an idiot. Yeah, but Omaha's <laughs> like fucking cold. You oh, it was you disaster. You could go straight south and over, you know? I, I did that on the way back because I, I learned my lesson. Yeah. But I drove out to LA. I went to Chicago first because it's great, just great comedy city. And uh, it's a good short little stop. Stopped there first. Did uh, one, you know, night of some mics there. Drove from Chicago to Omaha. Omaha was great because it was small. Right, it was cold as shit. I was sleeping in my van like yeah, an idiot, yeah. but um, the people were really nice. Um, you know, they were just straight up very friendly about it, and they were willing to give you stage time. You know, I'm just a guy who's like, "Hey, I'm from out of town. You know, can I get some?" And they're like, "Oh shit, yeah, you can do this show, and then you can do that one after, and we'll give you a feature spot. You can do right. ten minutes and all this." Well, if you do good on the first show, oh, a lot of yeah. time they'll say, "How? What are you doing tomorrow?" Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We ran into that too. That's fun, and uh, so, and then I went from there to Denver, which Denver is a really good comedy city, I, different than Omaha, different than Chicago. Yeah, you know? I did one show, and it was like. It was just an open mic, right? It was just whatever I found online. Yeah, yeah, and I right. went there, talked to the guys who ran it, and it was literally them two watching the one guy's dad and then one other comic. Oh, God. But I, dude, they were like, I was like, how much time? They're like, how much time can you do? Yeah. So I, I did I, str- I did 25 minutes. Oh. I killed, right? Because they were like, they're laughing because they didn't know my jokes. Yeah. So this is all new to them. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah, 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 you're a comic, but you're new. Yeah, yeah. So I had a great time. And then I went to another show that was at an improv theater, and they had a stand-up night. Right. And I got three minutes. I still yeah. did well, but it was yeah. like, you get three minutes and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when you go to a city where they don't know you, yeah. and you're at an open mic, you can be quite shocking or surprising. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're going to actually do comedy. Yeah. Because in Detroit, you got to do comedy. Yeah, because you do. People know comedy, and like you got to be funny, or you aren't getting on these showcases. You aren't getting on anything yeah. other than open mics unless you're funny. But I went out to Seattle, and my, nobody in my family had ever seen me do comedy, and I've been doing it for like five. Are you years. from Seattle? No, no, no. My daughter lives in Seattle. Her oh, husband okay. works for Amazon. Okay, so they're living out there. Anyhow, I. You know, it was late night and they got small kids. They're putting them to bed. So we had to be quiet. And I thought, well, I'm going to find something to do. So I ran out and did some stand-up, found an open mic. Mm-hmm. And my son-in-law said, can I come watch you? I sure. I don't, yeah. Okay. You can come watch me. It's kind of weird for me because yeah. I've never had anybody in the family. It's already a good watch story. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, it can't go great. So I go, okay, that's fine. So we get there and I sign up and, you know, he doesn't know me. And I, I'm trying to, I stand in line and I sign my name and I try to be nice to the guy. And he kind of puts me in the middle. And they're going to give me like four minutes or mm. something, I'm, you know, which is really weird because I don't know that I've ever done four minutes. Mm. I've done five or six, but four is like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty tough. But okay. So uh, I figure I can do my opener and I can do my closer and I can do a little bit in between. You know, I'm going to say hello. Mm. Then I'm going to do my opener. And I'm going to get a laugh there because that's pretty solid. And then I'm going to do my closer, which is, is, you know, two minutes and 35 seconds mm. to 2.45. I just know that's what it is. And right. So I know what my timing is, and I don't have time for a, a lot other than that stuff. So I wait my turn, and they're uh, they're running the light from the back and announcing from the back. They aren't going up to the stage. This next guy coming up is whatever. And so they announce me, and I go up, and I do my set, and I do my opener, and they're like, 
all of a sudden they're just laughing hysterically. And then I'm going on oh, this is working pretty good. And I'm, I do some middle stuff and then I, I find my way into the closer kind of, and I do that and they're just hysterical. It's, it's one of those pin drop moments. And yeah. they're, they're laughing or they're quiet going, what's next? And then they, you know, big applause at the end. I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm Ted Moss. Those are my thoughts. I'm out. You know, mm. that's how I usually end. So and I walked the back. The guy was like, why'd you stop? I oh said, yeah. I was like, you said four minutes. Yeah, it was four minutes, dude. dude. He said, I didn't give you the light. I said, well, okay. I don't know what to do. You told me four minutes. Oh, here's something not quite as funny as what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I didn't know what to do. But it was it was surprising. And when I talked to my son-in-law, he said, well, obviously you're more professional than these people. You have a lot more experience. Yeah. But that's kind of what it's like, especially if you're showcase level in Detroit and you're doing yeah. open mics most anywhere. Once in a while you get somebody, I mean, Bill Burr walked into the open mic in, in the belly room and oh yeah, you know, that shit happens too, yeah. but rarely <laughs> actually the guy that tours, uh, with Ron white and I forget his first name. It's something little. Anyhow, I'm Facebook friends with him. He, he was on Rob little, uh, Ron white. No, he tours little, uh, I could show you Dave Little, no. somebody oh, okay. Little. I don't know. Anyway, he's hilarious, but he's a professional comedian. He's been on the road for decades. He's just natural. Mm. You know, you get guys that like that, and you're like, oh my god, this is something. This is you know, you know, it's like a Josh Adams all of a sudden goes up and yeah. changes the room. Like, oh, oh yeah, comedy just but broke it, out. Tell me, it's not fun to be that comic out of yeah, state. It's it is. great. It is. It is. It is fun. But, I went out to uh, Minneapolis and I had a similar thing where it's like, you know, is is like a packed showroom. It was yeah. like in a bar and they had their own showroom, right? And it's yeah. very professional setup and everything with the stage and the sound and uh you know me and another guy from detroit aaron white he had basically set up all these shows in minneapolis and right. he went up there he's a newer comic he did all right and then i go up next and the guy i was like i asked him before i was like how much time he's like four minutes i was like okay cool and i got there i'm fucking killing it right yeah. i'm crushing and then i go into the joke i was going to close on and you know i i finish and then you know i i go off stage and i look at my time i was like almost at five minutes so i go up to the host i'm like hey man i'm sorry i didn't see the light yeah because I, I thought i went over and he was like yeah. i didn't light you i was oh. like he's like you could have kept going i was like how the fuck was i supposed to know that man <laughs> he was like well you were doing great and i was like i don't know what your rules in minnesota exactly. are dude exactly. I, didn't, I wasn't gonna because exactly. nobody nobody likes the guy who's like oh i'm killing so i'm gonna yeah. keep going man no, no 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 um but it's it's so much fun because then like you have a couple good sets at like a club like you know we went to acme comedy club which is a really cool club in minneapolis oh, yeah. and uh you know it's three minutes they're tight there yeah, yeah, yeah. room monday yeah, yeah, night yeah. i had a good set and everything and then you know you go to some shit bar open mic after because it's just that's where all the comics are going so yeah, all right we'll sure. go over there and it's you know you're on this big huge stage because it's like for a band right? right so they have this ridiculously huge stage right to have nine comics watch each other tell dick jokes yeah and i go up there and i fucking murdered it because a drunk <laughs> chick walked in i was like well the show's about you now honey it's like this is now your show personal private birthday show for you she just turned 21 i was like i'm going in on you and i get off stage and the other comics are like dude that was hilarious man i'm like oh i was just dicking around man yeah. i had my good set earlier yeah, in the night. yeah i didn't yeah. even give a fuck i was yeah just, they were like they were you just went in i was like you guys don't do this yeah <laughs> I, i'm so amazed when i go to other cities and i'm like you guys don't like you guys aren't insane like people from michigan yeah. like, what the fuck is, what's well, wrong with uh, you we're kind of spoiled you know what we are uh, and you know what even in michigan though there are there are little groups that get kind of clicky and they tell the same jokes to their same little group of friends but overall and you're gonna have that everywhere but mm. overall the vast <laughs> expanse of com comedians either drop out 
or kind of get up to that showcase level. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to, Mm -hmm. you know, because you don't want to be the worst comic at the show on an ongoing basis. And you start going to shows and there's always somebody that's a little bit better and you're going, oh, that's kind of interesting. And you're kind of vying for spots. Now, I I think it's a meritocracy. I think that ultimately the really good people kind of move up and move forward. Yeah. That's not every case at every show. Sometimes that does not happen, but that's okay. That's, I mean, not every shot is good in golf, but over time, it all evens out. And if you're pretty damn good, you're going to have some opportunities other people aren't. Right. But there are also people that kind of get into that showcase category and never write any more material. Oh, yeah, I see that. And you go like, dude, you've been telling that joke for five <laughs> years and it's kind of okay, but it's kind of a shock dick joke. I'm not yeah. sure that you ought to stay with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could add to it or expand or something i noticed when i came back from la in march um i was just gonna come back for a month do a run of shows and then go back and then obviously covid shut everything down and i came back and i did some shows and i was like you told this exact same set i'm not even talking about a joke i'm like those five minutes you just did at the show that you host every week you did the same five minutes that you used to do at oh. my open mic two years ago. That's I'm a, like, bro. For a, for a host, that's a shame because a host gets more oh, practice shit. than anybody. It, it pisses me off because I'm just like, no one cares about your set. You're the fucking host. I don't care if you do well. I really right. don't. Try something. Like, I yeah. want to, it's, and you know, I, I'm not trying to get like political with it, but it's a conservative move of like, I don't want to try something new. You got to be a fucking crazy person on stage in a sense of like, I don't, I'll try yeah. it. I'll try it. Yeah. It's, it. It's not a paid show. I'll try it. Yeah. It is a paid show. I'll still try it, well, but I'll put real jokes around right, it. Right. You'll right. sandwich it with written material. Well, if it's a host at his own place, he's got a lot of room to do that. I tell you what, when I was on the yes. road, once in a while, I would, I would take cover. I'd go in and go, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And I'd see the room, see how they're responding. And I'd be talking to Billy in the back. He goes, dude, you got to do it. You know, basically when we went on the road, I think I had three eight-minute sets. Mm. You know, it's which set am I going to do or a combination and maybe I'll add a few things or, you know, but basically that's what it was. Right. And I go, I'm going to do this set tonight, you know, because we're doing, that's all we're doing is comedy and travel, comedy and travel. Yeah. And I'd get in the room and go, yeah, I got to bring my A stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those I got to that's I just reading that. the room, right? Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. But when you're the host, it's like, man, yeah. you, you were talking about you got room. Yeah. And they don't use it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're not going to get better doing that. You know, that. we don't have that here. It used to be long ago, I think it was Brian Reagan. Reagan? Reagan? Brian Reagan that used to say uh, that he had a regular show that he hosted. Mm-hmm. And he told the same jokes over and over and over until the audience knew the punchlines and said, well, it's time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> They're shouting my punchlines at me. I got to try some new stuff. Oh, there's a guy I can't remember. Gary Gullman. You heard yeah. of Gary? So Gary Gullman, um, he, last year he did, every day he tweeted out a little piece of comedy advice. You know, like day 145, make yeah. sure you write 20 minutes or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things was like, don't worry if you see someone who's, you know, seen your joke before. Still right. tell it because the other 99% of the people probably haven't. So right. you're still going to get a good response. Right. He was like, you know, a joke needs to be retired when the audience is saying it with you. Yeah. If they're saying the punchline with you, you're done with it. Okay. Yeah. But up, up until that point, don't just because a lot of comics will be like, well, I'm going to do something new because they've seen it. I'm like, your old shit isn't honed. Hone it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so you get you get the two extremes. You get the one extreme of, like, I'm doing new stuff every night. I'm so cool. I'm like, right. well, you're, you don't have a set then. Yeah. Or you have the people who are stick to their same set for 85 years and never get past it. And it's just like, you got to 
You got to do both. You got to do both. Yeah, you got to do both. What do you think about uh, helping or coaching or helping people with tags or adding to people's jokes? I mean, are you for that or against it? Are you offended when people offer to you if they're other comedians? I don't mean that drunk guy that comes up yeah. after the show and says, man, have I got a joke for you? <laughs> he's, he's the it's worst always guy. a racist joke, and you're yes. like, bro, okay, yeah, yeah, all, right. all right. Yeah, I'm totally not um, ever telling that. I don't, I actually, I prefer when comics do it because I try and do it too. I feel weird sometimes depending on who I'm telling it to. If it's like a comic who I consider above me or whatever, I'm like, should I tell them? Yeah. But for me, it's like, look, I thought of a tag. I'm never going to use that tag, right? If yeah. it's a tag I, that I'm like, oh, this fits with one of my jokes, that's different. But if it's like, I don't say anything like that. This is a whole yeah, joke yeah, about yeah, how yeah, you're yeah, from yeah, Latvia yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, fucking yeah. know. Right. Like, I, I almost viewed it like you have a responsibility to tell them because it's like they're never going to think of it because you get in a mindset of like, this is my joke that goes like this and, and this I tell it like I this. Yeah. So most comics like, you know, they're not going to come up with that tag yeah. unless you tell it to them. And it's yeah. like, and you're not going to do anything with it. So unless you're in a competition with them or whatever, it, yeah. why? Why? Because yeah. you, you want everyone to develop. So when people tell me a tag, I'm like, sure, I might I might use it, I might not. I've used some, I've not used some. I feel like if my friends get better, it only helps me. It gives me more opportunities. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to help people if, the, if they want to the help. I gave somebody uh, a double call back mm. to a joke they were doing because it would so seamlessly fit into what they're saying. And they even said the right words, but didn't do the callback. They didn't make the reference. Mm. That, dude, that perfect with what you just said. You just got to say these words again at this point. Yeah. And then you can say, so I gave them kind of a double callback to go with their joke. And they appreciated it. They said, oh yeah, that's great. That's good. Good idea. I love when so you see good. them do it then too. That's because yeah. that makes you feel good. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like your kid hitting yeah. a home run. You're like, yeah, I, I yeah. did, I did <laughs> yeah. something there. Yeah. That's always a nice feeling. But I mean, you can't, I don't know the people who get offended by that. Again, it's an ego thing. It's like, are you you take yourself that serious. You were like, well, if I didn't come up with it, I'm not going to use it. It's yeah. Like, well, most of the suggestions I get are, are mediocre to poor, but once in a <laughs> well, while, yeah. once in a while. Yeah. But once in a while, people will give me something that really works or is really good. Yeah. And I, I've told this before and I don't know if I should repeat it, but, um, I had a deaf girlfriend, mm. uh, long going far away. Uh, and I hung out with all her deaf friends from the deaf high school. And they all talk like this. Yeah. And so I, because that's how they all talked, I learned how to talk like that. Yeah. And they didn't care. They couldn't hear it. <laughs> it's not offensive to them. And, but in any case, sometimes I use that voice because uh-huh. I think it's funny and nobody's going to hear it and be offended by it as far mm. as I can tell. Um, and when I was on tour with Billy, he talked me into doing my whole set. In that voice. In that voice. <laughs> How'd it go? How'd it go? You know what? I was in a very uh, liberal town. I think uh, I think we're in Phoenix. Okay. Tucson, someplace out there. But it was very liberal. I knew that. And I went up, and as soon as I started talking like that, I didn't say I was deaf. Yeah. And I was like, I hope you like these jokes. I think they're good, but I have a hermeter. <laughs> and they, and they I left. I have a hermeter. And, and I had them using their hands as little clappy things so I could get a visual if they were laughing. Yeah. So do this if you're laughing. Funny, do this, I know. <laughs> so so I went through the whole set that way. And it, you know what? I had to do like an eight-minute set or something. It's difficult mm-hmm. to keep that up for eight minutes. Yeah. And Billy later told me, once in a while you're starting to break out of it. I said, I know it's tough to do. But at the end, 
I finally broke out of the voice and they, they were so charitable. They loved me so much. It was like a sympathy. Yeah. Uh, we're on your side, dude. You're yeah. doing something good for you. And we're laughing at all your jokes. So I had a great set, but at the end I broke out into my regular voice and just talked to him and thanked him. Said it was a great time. I got to get out of here. Cause I got a blind date, pulled out sunglasses, put them on and felt my way off the stage. Like I was blind and they laughed. They, they did applauding. okay. All right, good. Yeah, it was all good. It was all good. Oh my god! Because uh, I could, was, I could see them being like, "We've been lied to," and it's yeah, like, "Oh I yes, you have." Well, the thing is, I, you know, I never told them I was deaf. Actually, I right, right, but they clearly assumed. Yeah, it. but you I had them doing this shit. <laughs> you had them doing crab hands. All right, they weren't <laughs> in a liberal city. They're not fucking doing I, that, man. I actually use that with beggars if I don't want to deal with a beggar. And I'll oh. talk about. Are you talking to me? You want something? <laughs> and they'll all say, never mind. And they'll just walk that's, away. That's a joke right there. Do you, have, do you say that? The beggar part? No. You should say that. No. Well, actually, I used it at, uh, I used it at uh, Planet Fitness. Do you ever go to Planet Fitness? I used to, yeah. Okay, there's a little circuit you can do that's a 30-minute circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to follow. you got to do the machines Green in light, order. Red light. Yeah, on time. But between, you got to go over and get a rag and wipe off this machine you just used. Oh, yeah, You wipe yeah, your yeah. sweat off. The lady in front of me, two machines ahead, was using the same rag from machine to machine, machine, machine. So she was taking her sweat off one machine and wiping on the next machine, which meant I had to run over, grab a rag, clean the machine before I used it. Then after I used it, I had to go over and grab a rag and clean that off. Grab a whole different set of paper towels. Yeah, so now I'm cleaning two machines between every... It was just too much work. And I thought, I want to tell her... Use a fucking clean rag, would you? What do you do? do, do there's, they're free. They're right there. Why are you doing this? So I went over and got one and put all the water stuff on a new one and gave it to her and said, "Use this on a machine. This way, get clean. Don't wear sweat on all your machines." And then I turned around and walked away. She could not argue with me. She had nothing to say. Damn. <laughs> it's a great way to not have an argument. Say what you want to say and have somebody have no response. That's amazing. You're welcome. I would, that's what you do with the cops, man. <laughs> do you know I pulled you over? I'm gonna fuck it up if I do it. It's just gonna sound bad. But she's like, "I'm sorry, I don't know. No, I didn't, it works. Great. I didn't hear your sirens. I just kept driving." Actually, I used to just as a joke to me mm. back in the day in the airports when they used to sell cell phones at these little vignettes in mm. the airports, whatever they're called. Uh, and you'd walk by and they'd have guys out there hawking phones. Yeah, I'd go over and pick up a phone and put up my hair and go. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? It don't work. I don't hear anything. Have you ever run into a blind person while you were doing that? A blind? Sorry, sorry, deaf person, deaf person, deaf person. No, they wouldn't know. Of course you've run into a blind person. They didn't see you coming, but I'm deaf people. They wouldn't know. Oh, shit, you're right. They wouldn't be offended. Dude. This is the one thing they would, you know what? They would never be offended because they don't know they talk like this. You know, I have this theory, and I could be wrong, but I like vacationing in Mexico. I always have. I mean, I went down to Mazatlan when I was a ski bum because that's where all the kids from Colorado went. Mm. I, I used to go to Puerto Vallarta with my um, family, and I love the people down in Puerto Vallarta. But when I go to Mexico, I don't speak really good Spanish. Uh-huh. But the Spanish I speak, 
I speak as good as I can possibly speak. Do you speak it so with a I'm deaf like, accent? I'm like, Buenos dias, señorita. Donde está el baño público? You know, no, maybe I watch too much Cheech and Chung. I don't it know. Sounds like it. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm doing the best. And I'll tell you what, if I say, Buenos dias, and somebody turns around to me and says, Buenos dias, just <laughs> like I said it, I'm thinking perfect. I'm thinking that's just perfect because I'm thinking I'm doing really good. Makes mm. me feel good. Yeah. So uh, this is my theory, that if you're in a foreign country and you are speaking with a heavy accent, you don't know that. Yeah. Based on that, I took my wife and I was out with another couple and we went to a Chinese restaurant. And I, when the waitress came over, I was like, I have the fried rice and I'm talking in Chinese accent. Wait, Oh, no, you get this. This is very good. I like this. <laughs> so I'm talking, and she goes away. They're going, why are you making fun? I said, she can't oh, hear this. Oh, this is in Mexico. No, this is in a Chinese restaurant in Michigan. In Michigan? Oh, yeah, shit. And I'm going, she can't hear that. If she could hear that, she wouldn't speak that way. Uh. She doesn't know I'm speaking with a Chinese accent. Oh, very good. I like this. You bring a cha-cha. <laughs> now, am I right or am I wrong? Can they hear that you have an accent? No, and I'll tell you. So when I was living in Germany as an adult, uh, I had I fooled a coworker. They like because I was just speaking German. I don't speak German with like an American accent. I sound pretty very you, German, you're very fluent. In yeah, German. yeah. Okay, so okay. like you know, I was working there for like two weeks, and then I had a phone call that was in English, and you know, I just start talking English the way I'm talking right now. Yeah. And after my phone call, the guy comes around the cubicle. He's like, "Your English is." Really really good and i'm like oh thanks man i actually grew up in america and he was like wait you grew up in america your german's really good i just mind fucked this guy right he was like i don't know what but what i used to do like when i was over in europe and i was drunk at a bar like in any other country you just start speaking english because especially in germany german people are really like egomaniacs about i speak very good english yeah and i'm like you don't but you but you like to think you do so I ju you just start speaking English, and I just do Australian I do all kinds yeah, of random yeah, yeah. shit right just to fuck with people yeah. man because it would be fun they'd be like oh you're from uh, so how, what is it like in Australia and I'm like well you know it's going to crazy it's like you're in the fucking dingo bay. and they think it's real and yeah it, but they don't know it's they, like yeah, it yeah, it's like doing, to them. yeah it's like doing comedy because they, they really think this joke's real I'm like I don't do that but you think it's funny so I'm going to tell you and I'm, I'm just and it's you feel manipulative but it's like a at the end of the day, I bought you a drink, so I don't feel bad about yeah, it. I yeah. want, I got my out of it. But. Yeah. Well, I think if it doesn't offend the people that are doing that, yeah, nobody should be offended. Yeah. And that's why I think I should be able to talk with a deaf accent wherever yeah. I go. Because nobody's going to be offended that other than third party people. That's true, and you that's know, why, like, when I go into a black room, I'm like, "What's up? How you doing?" <laughs> so I'm like, "They don't know." No, no, no I don't. I'm, I'm think kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. What do white boys sound like? Push this too far. No, I know. I know. I'm fucking. I'm kidding. I, yeah. I don't know. Because you know, anytime someone starts speaking a different language around you, you instantly think they're talking shit about you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I was uh, when I was driving Uber. I picked up this German couple. Ah. Right. And I could just hear everything they were saying. And they didn't know. They had no. No idea and i was just like i'm gonna let it go yeah i'm just gonna drive and see what that and, and you then said, you said something german right before they got out didn't you yes and the, it, the funniest oh, look on their god. fucking oh, face man because they were just like he knows oh, and, I, and it's not like they talked shit about me or anything but it was oh, just like god. i was listening the whole time and they thought they were having this little secret conversation oh. and i was just sitting there like i know what you're talking about probably the smartest person i know is uh my broker and he was manager of morgan stanley dean witter uh locally but his son was stationed to China. Okay. And he spoke a number of dialects, Mandarin or whatever it is. Mm. And 
when he went over there to visit his son, he took him away from the big city out to the farmlands. And he said it was very typical for the Chinese to talk shit about Americans yeah. in Chinese. That was what happened almost every time. Yeah. And they also had this thing where they feel like if you acknowledge them in a friendly way, they feel like they've possessed you now. They have control <laughs> of you. That's and so they're talking this in Chinese thinking that they don't know what's being said, but every yeah. time they walked away, his son would tell them they were really talking shit about it. <laughs> and tell them. So it is kind of interesting to have that insight yeah. to know what's going on. And that's something funny because um, that's yeah. why they should put a microphone in all women's bathrooms. So when they go take a powder break yes. together. Dude, yes, that's you can know what the they're shit, talking about. That's when the shit's going down. Yeah, that's like, I mean, dude, in more ways than one. That's like the Astro <laughs> sign stealing, yeah. but for dating. Dude, write yeah. a dating book, all right? You call ahead and pretend you're famous. But, uh, yeah, dude, it's it's funny because you're talking about, like, if they're if you're friendly to them. They can. They think they can control yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like a sign of weakness in their culture. Yes, right. So exactly. This is something that I learned back in college. Is like every culture has different ways of interacting with different people. Right. And when different cultures come together, it's just a completely different understanding. Yeah. Because you're like, no, no, I'm trying to be friendly as a respect to you, and they look at it as like, oh, you're being a bitch. So you're you want me to be like the top? You're like you're like yeah. sub being sub Some, and it's like no 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 submissive, that's not yeah yeah submissive right yeah, so yeah. it's like it's just, it's just this misunderstanding of like yeah. oh I I thought you were being a dick and it's yeah. like no 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 <laughs> I was just being straight up man but it's kind of funny that's you know that's a problem I have because I spent so many years in commercial construction mm. I don't know when people are dicks ah because they're all dicks yeah and honestly there if you go if you make it to the top of one of these organizations that's doing commercial construction you're kind of an asshole because mm. you got to kind of be an asshole to be you got to be pushy you got to be loud you got to be forceful you got to be dominant you got to not care what people think about you it's like being a supervisor i mean you can have a lot of buddies if you're one of the workers but the higher you get up the chain the less buddies you have yeah and it, it, it's just the way the thing is but my blind spot has always been labeling people mm. that I let people be real assholes. And I go, oh, they just had a bad day or they had a strategy or they're doing something or something's going on. And I'm like, okay with it. And I'm like, okay, he was an asshole today. I get it. You're an asshole. But I get back with him. I think, oh, he's probably okay guy. He just had an asshole day. So I don't really do character assignments based on people's behavior. Mm. And so I don't read people that way. And when I used to have a new client, I would take out, um, a salesman that I had that worked for me that was really good at reading people. Mm. And I remember taking him out one time to a brand new uh, wholesale distributor and we had to meet with the manager and the owner. And we sat down and talked to these couple guys for I don't know, half an hour or whatever. And we walked out, got back in the car and I said, well, are these guys assholes or are they good guys? And he goes, mm. he's an asshole and he's okay. Cause I don't know. I, I have this blind spot about judging people. Now, if people just act like an asshole repeatedly, I'll go, it's just too much. I just, eh, I don't know why you are, but you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to follow you. I'm just, that's, that's too much shit. But I have a blind spot and I don't read people well. But what I read extremely well are lies. Ah. If you tell me something that's not quite true, because we quoted between 300 and 350 jobs a month and they were all negotiated and they were all competitively bid. And I, mm. the people I was selling to were also buying from other people and they were using me on some project and other people on projects. Mm. And they were sending my prices to other people so they could you know, 1% me, I mean, beat me by a point or whatever. Yeah. And so you got to kind of figure out who's zooming who, who's telling you the truth and who's not telling you the truth. So 
little indications of how they hold themselves, how they turn their head, when they blink, while they turn. I'm really good at lie detecting. Mm. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to tell you I know you're lying. It means I'm going to put that in my back pocket go, okay, well, that wasn't true for some reason. And I'm going to move on. And I'm not going to judge you because of it because I lived in a world of liars mm. and of assholes. And so I'm pretty tolerant to that stuff, which yeah. is kind of weird. To be tolerant of it but not be able to really well, read the character of people. You need to play your cards, right? And, and you know that playing your cards the optimal way is – Knowing that it's a lie, but not letting them know that you know no, it's no, a lie. No, no. Yeah. You don't want no, that. No, 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 it's no, no. poker. It's yeah, just yeah, poker. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, I know yeah, what yeah. you have, but I don't yeah. want you to know what yeah. I have. Or well, you, I don't want you to know that I know what you have. Right, right. That's what right, it is. Right, right. Yeah, you can't, you can't be successful that way. You That's have to is. get, you, you have to be, I don't want to say conniving, but you have to be shrewd about how you do things. All right, we probably should end this thing, man. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me. No, it's great you came in. You're, you're a very interesting guy. I can't even oh, believe you. that you're as sophisticated as you are with comedy, being so young. And you, you've traveled the road really fast. And uh, try to. You might end up someplace. I'm hoping so. I'm yeah, hoping and so. when you get someplace, I'm going to have you back on my podcast today. What up? How did you do that shit? Hopefully I'll have more answers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you coming in. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you, Ted. I appreciate it. Great show. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Okay, that's going to be our show for the day. I want to give a special thanks to today's guest, Marcus Olin. That was part three of three parts, and that's a lot of talking, but I want to thank him and uh, wish him well. If you want to contact me, you can always reach out at tedtalkstomuch at yahoo.com. And if you'd share my show, I'd really appreciate that. If you had fun, that's great. And as always, uh, be good to each other out there and try, try, try to be happy. And until we meet again, I'm Ted Moss, and those are my thoughts. With that, Bob's your uncle.